So today we are continuing in our series, Tales from the Deep. And last week, if, we, if you come with me to Jonah 1.1, let's make a quick review. It's right there in your notes. And if, uh, you can follow along in your Bibles. Jonah 1.1. Now the Lord, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, and you remember the story, the word of the Lord came saying, go preach to where? Okay, uh, maybe you don't remember anymore. Go preach to where? Nineveh. Okay, you're waking up. Now, what happened in Nineveh, if, if we recall correctly, was that the Ninevites were evil people. They, they were, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrians were nasty conquerors. They destroyed everything inside. They killed everyone they could, and they abused anyone who was in their path. So Jonah clearly did not want to go to Nineveh. If they were bad when they came to your town, you did not want to go on vacation to Nineveh. That was not a prize that they would, would give out and the price is right. So Jonah now is found in the belly of the great fish. Chapter 2. It's not about what God says. It's about what Jonah says. Chapter 2 is not about what Jonah does. It's about what God does. Because see, what happened in chapter 1 is that Jonah did not spend time praying. In fact, he spent time and money hiding. So let's go to chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the inside of the fish. Then Jonah prayed from the inside of the fish. See, this, this chapter of the book of Jonah reminds me of the story that I read a long time ago. In a, in, a, in a rural town, there was a church, you know, that country church. And, the, and the right next to the church, they had built a new facility. It was a bar. So the preacher of that country church was so upset that right next to his church, they had put a bar so he told his, his, his members, we have to meet for a special prayer meeting. And there, let's pray that God closes the bar next door. So they got together, all the faithful, and they prayed that God would close the bar. Lo and behold, the bar was struck by lightning. So the bar owner sued the church. Because they had prayed for the bar to close. At the court, the priest was asked, the, 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 the pastor, the preacher was asked to, to come and testify about the happenings. So the judge asked them, is it true that your church and yourself pray for the bar to close? So the preacher said to the judge, well, judge, you know, we were just... A group of faithful Christians, and, and our, our prayers were harmless. We were just praying because that's what we do. And the bar owner, at this moment of testifying, he said, Well, you know, you guys pray for the bar to close, and, my, and, and lightning came and struck my bar down, and now we close. So it is your fault. So the judge said, Okay, I found something really, really interesting here. I have a pastor who does not believe on the power of prayer, 
and have a bar owner who does. What happened, what happened to Jonah was that for a while he believed in the power of God. That is why he did not want to pray. He didn't want to pray. But a lot of times we don't pray because we don't believe that God is going to answer. But let's look at the text again. Jonah preached, I mean prayed, sorry, from the inside of the fish. Before Jonah, when he was outside of the fish, when he was in the sunlight, he did not pray. But now that he's in a dark I could keep, oh, now he's working. Awesome. Thank you, guys. What was I saying? Yeah, when he was in a dark, uh, humid place, alone, now Jonah prays. And this is a powerful lesson. Because, see, this prayer of Jonah from the belly of the fish teaches us Teaches us. Teaches us. That we can pray to God from anywhere. You know, it's funny because people have asked me, Pastor, pray for, pray for me. I have this issue. And I know God listens to your prayers. And I'm thinking, He listens to yours too. I don't have special connections. We have the same plan. You know, I don't have more minutes than you. We have the same plan. You know, because what happens in prayer is that God listens to us from anywhere. See, we limit God. We think that if we pray at church, our prayers are more valid than if we pray somewhere else. But see, the reality, the reality is that the prayers that God listens to are not the ones that use the best language, are not, are not the ones that are done from church, are the ones that come from the heart. And now Jonah prays. Verse 2. He said, I cried out to the Lord in great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Now this is quite interesting because, see, Jonah did not have his iPad there to take notes of where he was praying. We understand that this prayer was recorded. The words of Jonah were recorded after he came out of the fish. And if, and if you read the text carefully, you'll see that, that these words, this description of the prayer are in past tense. That that happened in a time before they were written. But there's a question. It says right here that he called on God and God heard him. Does that mean... That we can access God at any time? Because if that is true, family, we have an incredible privilege that at any moment, in any time, we can pray to God and He listens to us. Now, it also says right there that I call to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you hurt me. That means that if God is the Lord of the universe. He is the creator. He is the greatest being 
in existence, I don't know if you see it, but we have a huge privilege to be able to access the greatest entity in the universe at any moment. Prayer has given us the keys to unmeasurable power, unmeasurable wisdom, unmeasurable comfort. Because through prayer, we can access the greatest force in the universe, the greatest being in the universe at any moment's notice. But let's look at what happened with Jonah. I prayed and you answered me. Jonah experienced prayer at a level that we all want to pray at. But there's something about prayer that is quite interested, interesting about us. Has somebody that you ask to pray for you or that you share a difficulty with told you at one point, my thoughts are with you? Have you heard that before? Our thoughts are with you? See, I don't know how that works because I don't know if thoughts are transferable. I don't know if there's like a beam of thoughts that go from one person to another. Or it's like, I'm thinking of you. See, I don't want thoughts when I'm in the difficult circumstance. I don't want people thinking about me. I want people praying for me. Jonah was not thinking. Jonah was praying. Jonah was actually communicating with God, not thinking about someone else. Now, let's move, move down a little bit. He's, it says right there that he was in great trouble. You see it? Verse 2, he was in great trouble. Now, in Hebrew, this expression for great trouble is the word sarah. Can you say sarah? Sarah. What does that come to bring to mind? Abraham's wife. Remember? Sarah, Abraham's wife. Sarah, Sarah means to give birth painfully. See, times have changed. Times have changed because, see, a previous generation, the, the dads, we're celebrating Father's Day, right, this weekend. The dads did not go into the labor room. They stayed out in a waiting room. Remember those movies? Maybe you were one of those dads. Maybe you're still one of those dads that you panic when you see the stuff going on. I had the privilege of being there for my three boys birth and crazy things happen in there I'm not about to describe any of them to you but I'm going to tell you something I'm going to tell you something there's pain lots and lots of pain your hand if you're holding the hand of the mother takes different shapes <laughs> not intended to be displayed by a hand that moment of pain, right at birth, it's Sarah. Why is this important? Look at the text. I call you from the land of the dead. That's what Jonah is saying. 
Now, this land of the dead, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the King James Version, if you have that older version of the Bible, it says the Sheol. Sheol was the, the traditional belief that it was where all the dead people went to before the final destination. So Jonah is saying, I'm dead. I'm, I was in the belly of the fish. I, I, I'm as good as dead. There's no hope for me. But you are giving me a Sarah. You're giving me a chance, even though I have to go through this pain, you are giving me a chance for a second life. You're giving me a second opportunity. Do you see it there? See, perhaps some of you are in the Sheol of your marriage. Marriage. Perhaps some of you are in the Sheol of your professional life. Perhaps some of you are in the Sheol of your with your children. Perhaps some of you are in the Sheol of your health. And God is saying, see, you need to see that I'm with you. You need to see beyond your circumstance. You need to see beyond where you are in this, in this dark and humid and lonely place. You need to see that I am with you. But you need to call upon me. You need to, to wait on me. You need to call because I'm ready to listen. Because God is always expecting for us to call on Him in His darkest moments so that He can give us a Sarah. Because in this experience of Jonah, the Sarah plus the Sheol equal. I know it's summer and you don't want to think about math, but this equation is powerful. Sarah plus Sheol equals a second opportunity. And God is a God of second opportunities. God is a God of second chances. God is a God that is in the business of bringing people from their darkest moments to beautiful light. So God was acting even when Jonah was running. God is showing Jonah that there is a process that he needed to understand to become the true prophet of him. Verse 3. So Jonah describes the process. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your, your wild and stormy waves. Verse 4. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Remember the song that we sang at the end? That was exactly this prayer. Now, let, let, let me go through this with you. Yet, you will look once more towards your holy temple. Now, it's not very good when they translate it into English. But in the Hebrew, this last phrase is written in a question form. Will I be able to stand in your temple again? Jonah feels that in his circumstance, in the, in, in the belly of the fish, he is not worthy of being in the presence of God. Because he ran away. Because he ran away, he deserved to be thrown into the water. He deserved to be swallowed. He deserved to be in the Sheol. From Jonah's perspective, he is where he belongs. Because he ran away from God. And he says, will I ever... 
will I ever see your temple again. Verse 5, I sank beneath the waves and the water closed over me. Sea would wrap itself around my head. Have you ever been swimming? I hate seaweed in the ocean. Have you ever been swimming in the water and then you feel something touching you? You're like, ah! You don't know if it's a fish, if it's a weed. You don't know what it is, but seaweed is awful when you're swimming in the water. Now, Jonah is describing his body wrapped in seaweed. I guess that there are moments in our lives when in the process that God is set before us, the only thing we see is the last of it. Our current circumstance. Our current situation. The only thing we see at times is the seaweed. The only see, thing we see at times is the waves crashing on us. The only thing we see at times is the cold and the wetness and the darkness. Because Jonah felt that he was done. Jonah was in a very bad place. But see, there's something we need to understand. That our perspective... Our perspective is limited by our circumstances. Our perspective is always limited by our circumstances. About 20 years ago, I played my first round of golf. And if you ever play golf, which I'm not very good at it even now, you'll discover that golf has a, a sense of humor. Because the object of the game, you all know it, even if you don't play, you know the object of the game. What is it? To put the ball in the hole. I mean, it's not a difficult concept. It's super simple. Hit the ball, put it in the hole. Right? The only problem is that the hole is 500 yards away. And you can't see the hole right away. I think that life is kind of like that. See, God places in a, in a circumstance, in a, in a trajectory, in a direction, in a hole. And all the holes in the, in the golf course are different. Some are straight, some are short, some are long, some, some have water in between, some, some dog leg, you know, they, they take a turn. Some are on different levels of ground. But the object does not change. To put what? The ball in the hole. You might be very good hitting the ball far with your driver. You know, the driver is the big club, the big head. And you might hit the ball super far. You might be really good at it. And you think, I got this. I got this. But then you have to play your short game. You get the other clubs that look like racers. And you have to hit the ball onto the nice green area of the hole, right where the hole is. And you say, okay, it's not as far. I hit the ball really far the first time. Now I'm just going to put it there. But you end up short or long or you land in the sand. But the hole hasn't moved. The hole's still there. And all you have to do is put the ball in the hole. But finally you land on the green. And now you're on the green. 
And you get the easiest club to hit, the putter. I know it's the easiest club to, to hit because we take kids to play putt-putt. Mini golf. Now you know. Mini golf, yeah. And it's easy because you hit the thing, you know, through the mills, blades, and all that stuff. But in the golf course, in the real golf course, there's no obstacles. There's no walls. All you have to do is put the ball in the hole. But those three feet, those three feet could become a nightmare. If not, ask Phil Mickelson at the Masters. You could be right there and you could miss it. Because life is like that. We think we got it. We think we see it. We think we have it all under control. But you know what? I might be good at long game, but I'm horrible at short game. I might be good at short game, but I'm horrible at putting. I might be great at putting, but my long game is awful. Because life is just like that. Because every stage of life requires a different set of skills that we don't have. But God does. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows where the hole is. He knows what to do. He knows what club to use. But we need to ask Him. Our perspective is limited by our situation. Because we can only see so far. A few weeks ago, I, I spoke at Camp Cedar Falls, up in the mountains, uh, at a youth event. And when I was driving out there, I always stopped before going out there uh, to have some kind of meal before I head up to the camp. And uh, right when I was having lunch, I got a text from one of the organizers of the camp telling me to go around through Big Bear because they had closed Highway 38. And if you know, that's the highway that takes you right to Cedar Falls. <clears throat> so what I did is that I followed the directions and I went around. When I finally caught Highway 38 going around, there were firemen leading the traffic. And they asked me, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to Camp Cedar Falls. And he said, okay, you'll be fine. But don't go beyond that. You see firemen on the forest... You are obligated to ask a question. Is there a fire? <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and the fireman said, yeah, but the fire is on Menton. It's on the other side of the hill. We're just being careful about this. We're taking our precautions about this because we don't want people to go down to the fire area. See, God is kind of like that. He knows where the fire is. I couldn't see it. I couldn't even see smoke. But I couldn't go the way I wanted to go. I had to wait, go around, and go in a different direction. Even though I was going to the same place. Because see, I might not see what God sees... Because I'm limited by my circumstances. 
Today, perhaps you are limited by the circumstances in your marriage. Today, perhaps you are limited by the circumstances in your pocketbook. Today, perhaps you are limited by the circumstances in your relationships. Today, perhaps you are limited by the circumstances in your spiritual life. Today, perhaps you are limited by some kind of circumstance that is affecting your life, affecting your decisions, taking your time, and you are not allowing God to show you the big picture. Because the only thing that we can see is what's in front of us. But you know what? We are, whoa, did I skip one? We are limited by how far our circumstances allow us to see. And because we are limited by how far our circumstances allow us to be, oftentimes we are led by our circumstances, not by the one that is allowing the circumstances to happen. Verse 6. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. This is Jonah still praying. I sat down by the, by the roots of the mountains. I, imprisoned, I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shot forever. But you, Lord my God. Now let's stop right there. Jonah is describing all the bad things that happened in the process. And he stops. I was in my darkest moments, guys. I, I was suffering so bad. It was the darkest, the wettest, the coldest, the, the loneliest. But you. But you. One day I'm going to do a series on all the buts of God. But you. Snatch me from the jaws of death. This sounds like a movie from the 70s. But God. Because God has a final say. My life is going down, but God. My finances are going down, but God. My relationships are going down, but God. And all of us at some moment can look back and see where we were and when God acted. And when he acted, we can say, I was going in this direction, but God. But God. So Jonah is finally realizing that in his darkest moment, God is the one acting. Because God is acting even in the moments that we don't see. Now, verse 7. As my, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayers went out to you in the holy temple. Some of you are going to remember God today. Some of you are going to remember God today because there, there's something that you need to do. Jonah says that he did not forget God. However, he was not doing anything for God. God asked him to go in one direction, he went the other direction. God was expecting him to pray, but he was not praying until he was in the belly of the fish. Because Jonah now gets serious in the prayer. And, and this is what happens. Jonah had to realize that he was not going to be saved. His circumstances were not going to be changed because of anything that he could do. His circumstances will only change if we trusted on the grace of God. Verse 8. Jonah says, Those who worship false gods turn their lives back on God's mercies. Now, this is a powerful text 
Jonah here is describing himself. Because yes, Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish because he had a couple of idols. Idol number one, prejudice. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to deal with the Assyrians. He didn't want to have to face them because they were bad people. And it's amazing how today in our culture, in our day, we have labels for all kinds of people. And we create prejudice of different kinds because people are different than us. He had another idol. Self. I know better. You want me to go that way? I'm not going that way. I'm going my way. And that's most of us. The idol of self. I know better than you, God. I got this. Remember last week? I know. I know. And he had another idol. Resentment. Because it was very possible that someone in his family or maybe himself had experience because of the acts of the Assyrians. At some point in your life, you've experienced evil from someone. Someone did, said something bad to you, about you, and you harvest resentment. Jonah was letting his past experience become his God, his idol, and place the voice of God in a different place. Verse 9. But now he changed. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. What? Let's do that again. I will fulfill what? What vow did Jonah say he was going to do? See, we don't have a record of that. And I wish we did, because I like that kind of stuff. I like to know what other people say in the Bible. But we don't have a record of Jonah's vow, but yet Jonah is saying that he will do it. And then he finishes, for my salvation comes from the Lord. Now, Jonah knew that there was something he had to do. I will fulfill all my vows. And you know what? There is something today that you need to do. There is something today that you need to do to come back to God. But there was something that Jonah learned. That by himself, he couldn't change his situation. He was sentenced to be bait until he died. And it's crazy. Because see, the Bible says that because we, all of us are sinners... We're short from the glory of God. But it's because of God's grace that our situation can change. It's not something that I can do. It's not something that I can 
learn. It's not something that I can earn. It's not something that I can promise. It's something that has been promised to me, and that is by grace. It's something that has been promised to us, and that is by grace. Because the only thing that can change our lives, the only thing that can give us a change of circumstance is the grace of God. Jonah says, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And when we think about what the scripture teaches is that what God did is that he was willing to give his son for us. And that is grace. And the book of Jonah in the Hebrew is the, is the word hesed. And hesed is something that is full joy without a price. Full joy without a price. And it's without a price, not because it's free. It's without a price because we couldn't pay for it. Yet, it's a free gift. In verse 10, it says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. See, it wasn't Jonah who told the fish, Fish, take me to the beach. It wasn't Jonah. It was God who ordered the fish. God made the fish. So we have something interesting here. That God has control over his creatures. But not only God has control over his creatures, he has control over your situation. He sees the end of what you can only see the beginning. So God says to you today, you can start again. You can have a Sarah. You can have a new experience. But for that, you have to make a decision to stop hiding, to stop running away. God says, I know who you are. I know where you are. I know what you need. You are known to me.